chapter number one in your Bibles tonight, Ephesians chapter number one. <coughs> Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, the music. Ephesians chapter number one. Uh, we'll read the first seven verses for our text tonight, and then we'll look at the Bible study. And I'm looking forward to <coughs> uh, what the scripture has for us this evening. While you're finding Ephesians chapter one, and we will look at a couple of uh, other references. One in Isaiah, one in Second Corinthians, and one in Genesis tonight. <coughs> so you can just be thinking of that. Uh, but let me remind you of this coming weekend, uh, Saturday visitation, Sunday, and look forward to uh, the month of March, not just with our meeting, talking about laying out those, these very immediate steps um, and kind of the time schedule of a lot of things uh, with different projects. Uh, but that'll get us ready to get into the spring season. And uh, we're planning on getting a couple more bus routes started and really making a push there. And so uh, we'll talk about that on that March uh, Sunday. But be thinking of that, thinking of what the Lord would have you uh, to do. And stay busy for the Lord. And uh, time is short. I believe time is short. The Lord's return is imminent. And I want to take advantage of every opportunity I have of serving Him. Ephesians chapter number 1, begin reading verse number 1. Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. What a wonderful passage of scripture for the child of God. I want us to look, our text verse, and what we'll take our Bible study out of tonight is verse number 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace. That's pretty good right there. That's not even our text part. Wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. It's one thing to be accepted. But to be accepted in the beloved means a whole nother thing. And it's why we're accepted. So we're going to look at that tonight. The title of this Bible study is Accepted in the Beloved. Father, we thank you for <coughs> the Word of God. We thank you for the Son of God. And Father, we uh, would have no hope without your Son. We would have no uh, hope without the Word of God. <coughs> and I pray tonight that uh, with the time we have remaining, I pray that uh, we'll just be reminded of some things of Scripture Reminded of what we have in our salvation. And Father, if there happens to be one here tonight on this Wednesday evening uh, that's never accepted Christ as their Savior, uh, may the study tonight uh, open their eyes to their need. And uh, may they accept Christ tonight. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, uh, there's so much in these first seven verses uh, that we could speak of. But even in verse number six, uh, which we take our text from tonight, to the praise of the glory of His grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. To think that we are accepted in the beloved. What is the scripture saying? It's saying we're accepted in Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus is 
the beloved. We're reminded in this passage of Scripture that God, knowing He would create man, God knowing that man would sin, God knowing that because man would sin, that sin would separate man from him, God knowing that then determined that he was going to send his son to pay that sin debt for man so that man might be saved. It's, it's It's an awesome thought to think that God, when man fell, when Adam fell, and his passed on all men at that point, God, if God had said, I'm going to, and, he, and it did happen to a degree in this way, I'm putting everything in motion to bring about, bring about a Savior to pay the sin debt for all mankind. But God is so much beyond that. He's so much greater than that. His grace is so much greater. His love is so much greater that before he even created man, he knew man would fall. And before he even created man, he knew he would send his son to pay the sin debt for man. And God still created man. What a God. What a great God. We find that we are in the beloved. We're accepted in Jesus Christ. Verse 7 gives context to verse number 6. In whom we have redemption. We have been purchased. We have been redeemed. How? Through his blood. The only way man is redeemed, the only way that man, and I'll talk about it in more detail throughout the Bible study, can get back to God because of his sin was for him to be redeemed through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot have a bloodless gospel. There's no such thing. The gospel includes the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins. I'm I'm looking forward to heaven. I mean, not tonight, but I'm looking forward to heaven. What a comfort heaven is. How many of you have a loved one in heaven tonight? I mean, could you imagine there being no heaven? But what comforts us, knowing that we're going to see our loved one again. We're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. We're going to see him. The magnificence of heaven, I'm looking forward to heaven. It's a wonderful thought to be, be saved. How many of you know if you took your last breath tonight, you'd spend eternity in heaven? Let me see your hand. That's wonderful. That's comforting to know, isn't it? But this is part of that. Sometimes we put the focus on heaven, and we should be focused on heaven. But let's not forget how we're getting to heaven. The forgiveness of sins. Jesus didn't just die so we get a ticket to heaven. He died so that we could be forgiven of our sins so we could have an eternity in heaven. Think about it tonight. How many of you in here are a sinner? Some of you need to raise both hands. I've seen you. I've seen your Facebook page. You need to raise both hands, stand on the chair, wave a little bit. No, no. We're, we're all sinners. 
but to be forgiven of our sin according to the riches of His grace. Think about that. You know what the most valuable thing this world has ever seen in context with this scripture verse is the shed blood of Christ. Because it's through His shed blood the forgiveness of our sins is reached. I'll expound that a little bit more in a minute. To the riches of His grace. How rich is God's grace? How big are your sins? I've illustrated this before, and I'll not take too much time to do it because we do have much to get to. If we just took the sins of everybody in this room, and you had, we had some way, even the ones you've forgotten about, even the sins we've committed and we didn't even realize we were committing a sin. If there was some way to measure all the sins that have been committed by just the people in this room, can I tell you how rich God's grace is? It's enough to cover them all. It'd be an overwhelming sight if there was some way for us to see that. I wouldn't want to see it. But if there's a way for us to see it, God's grace is so rich that it covers it all. Now let's go outside of this room. To every man that's ever lived. There is a way for us to, to see the measurement of how great that sin is, God's grace is rich enough to save any man that would believe. Any man who, who would come to him. That's the richest. That's why if you know somebody who's lost, you say, I don't know if, if they could ever get saved. Friend, you, you, you've, you've underestimated the riches of God's grace. Well, there's people in this world, they're never going to get saved. Well, we won't know that until we send a preacher to preach to them, so then they have the opportunity to get saved. But God's grace is so rich. It's rich enough, it was rich enough to save you. Rich enough to save me. Well, it gives context to accepted in the beloved. I'm going to take that phrase, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, and that's going to be our Bible study tonight. <coughs> Let me mention number one. We find in that phrase a supernatural fix. A supernatural fix. Look at that word wherein he hath made us. That word made. This is where I want you, I'm going to read Isaiah 59. If you don't get there uh, fast enough, mark the reference down. Isaiah 59. <coughs> we find that, that statement. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved... That word made is a supernatural fix. Some, uh, Isaiah 59, verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But notice verse 2, But your iniquities, your sin, your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Here's just one example of many in the Bible that sin separates God from. For man. In the Garden of Eden, 
What is it that broke fellowship between man and God? It was sin. It is always sin that separates the fellowship. And when man fell, it broke that relationship. It, 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 it put a wedge in between the relationship with creator and creation. It put a, a separation between God and man. So we know that our sin separates us. God, as a loving God, is also a holy and a righteous God. Sin cannot enter into His presence. It, 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 it cannot coexist with sin. So there is a separation. But in our text we find wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved because we're all sinners, so therefore we're all separated from God. And if something doesn't change, we will be cast into that eternal place of, of, of a, as a real place, that lake of fire will be cast into that eternal place and we'll be separated from God forever because of sin. Nobody goes to hell because God's an angry God. They go to hell because they, they, they choose to reject God. But it's sin that doesn't. So if that's where sin leaves all of us, our text tonight says that we're accepted in the beloved, meaning God is accepting us in Christ Jesus. Somehow there had to be a supernatural fix of the problem. And the word is he made us. We didn't just become accepted. We didn't just turn over a new leaf, as the saying goes, and now we're accepted. We didn't go through a program and become accepted. We didn't decide to make a pledge and become accepted. We didn't go through religious training and become accepted because our sin separates us and we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 reminds us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The best person doesn't even come close. That's the condition. So how do we get from there to accept it in the beloved? 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. There had to be something supernatural take place because, friend, Man can't do it. You can't do it for somebody else. Man, have you ever prayed for somebody to be saved? Have you ever talked to somebody and pleaded with them? And if you had the power to save them, you'd save them. But you can't. Because we're in the same condition. That's why religious men, a priest can say, your sins are forgiven, and they're no more forgiven because he's a sinner, just like the other person's a sinner, there has to be something supernatural take place. Have I made this point enough? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Think about this. Who knew no sin? 
Now, there's no debate in here tonight about the fact that we're sinners. That we have a sin nature. That because of our sin, God does not separate himself from us unjustly. God's holy. God's righteous. We're sinners. We're the ones that are wrong. We have no ability to get back to God. None. We see in 2 Corinthians 5.21, we see this supernatural thing taking place. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God and in him. Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Something supernatural had to take place. A fix had to take place. We were made this way. You weren't born into it. You didn't luck into it. If you're saved tonight, it's because God did something supernatural that only God could do. He took the one who knew no sin, the one who was perfect, that spotless lamb of God, the perfect son of God, God in the flesh, that, was, that is just as much holy as God the Father is holy, is just as righteous as God the Father is righteous. God in the flesh who knew no sin, he made him sin. Why? So that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's a supernatural fix. He became sin for us who knew no sin. That's how we're accepted in the beloved that were made. Something supernatural had to take place. I remind us of this because it again puts our focus our salvation is 100% God. There's nothing you and I could do. Something supernatural. Had, we, I don't want us to be so far removed from the day we got saved. And I think we ought, you ought to grow as a Christian. And thank God we all have grown as a Christian. And you should continue to grow as a Christian. <clears throat> but never forget <clears throat> that where you are in your life... It never would have happened without a supernatural act of God. To take one who knew no sin and was not capable of sinning. He put all the sins of the world on him and made him sin. So that we could be made acceptable. Oh, something that aggravates me is, 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 is the religi religious pious people. Oh, don't ever. I thank God that we're saved. I thank God that, 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 that we are where we are positionally. Friend, you didn't save you. Sometimes I want to walk up to people or walk. The thing is their job in life to remind everybody else what, what they are. I want, to, I want to walk up and say to them, you do realize you're not part of the Trinity. You do realize you didn't save yourself. You do realize that you deserve hell just like the person who's living in the gutter, who's never accepted Christ. Something supernatural had to take place <laughs> because sin separates us. And God took one who knew no sin and he became sin 
for us. Uh, don't, don't, don't ever get that poochy lip, potty mouth, feel sorry for myself Christian attitude. God's just been unfair to me. Nobody, oh, oh. If, if you're looking for a sympathetic ear, that's an assistant pastor's job with that. That's, 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 that's not me. I think I'm a very patient person with, with people, but I just don't have patience. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing my sins. I don't have patience with that. You mean to tell me you think God has been so unfair to you that he took the one who knew no sin, is, is not capable of sinning, and he took your sorry sin and he put it on him so that you might be saved and so you might be excuse me, accepted because of that. We have that supernatural fix if we're in the below. Hey, we have status. We're saved. We have status. I can say tonight I am a child of God. And the secular world can write songs about how we're all God's children, not in a scriptural context we're not. But I can say I'm a child of God. God, who created all things, is my heavenly Father. Did you know that you're a joint heir with Christ? Everything Christ inherits for God, you get it too. Have you ever said this? Have you ever heard anybody say, I have access to the throne of God? I prayed several times throughout the day today. It's good for you to know that your pastor does that once in a while. And every time I did, I entered into the presence of the Almighty. And I wasn't trespassing. And I wasn't there without permission. Matter of fact, I entered into his presence with the permission of the beloved. So that sounds awful bold, and that's what it means to be in the beloved. And Christians, I think it would change our outlook if we were reminded, yes, we have heaven to look forward to. And yes, there's a peace in our heart of knowing our sins have been forgiven. Salvation is even more than that. We have a citizenship in heaven. We belong to God. We're in the beloved. We're accepted in the beloved. And it's that way because there's a supernatural fix. Number two, I want us to notice that as we're accepted in the beloved, there's a provider of grace. To the praise of the glory of his grace. (coughs) Wherein, notice that little word, he hath made us. There is a provider of grace. Aren't you thankful for grace? Don't we say that a lot? And we should say it a lot. And we ought to say it more. I'm thankful for grace. We're here because of grace. But let's not forget who the source of grace is. Let's not forget where that wonderful grace comes from. There is a provider of that grace. 
Notice that word he. It is God himself who provides the grace. I've already touched on this, so I'll move quickly through this point. It's not our grace. It's not our works. It's not our holiness. It's not us at all but God. I, I, boy, I thrill at the fact that I can say I belong to Him. I'm accepted by God. No matter what anybody else's opinion is, that's why, Christian, hold your head up high. Throw your shoulders back. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. God accepts you. I am accepted by God. You know why I can say that? Because it's not my grace. It's not your grace. It's not any other Christian's grace. It's not the church's grace. It's God's grace. Child of God, we put too much, we put too much weight into what man thinks and man's opinion. It's not man extending grace. It was God that extended grace to us. And I celebrate the grace that I'm a benefit of, beneficiary of. I enjoy it. I live in that grace. I have salvation because of that grace. But let's not forget who that provider of grace is. It's God himself. Have you ever gotten a gift, say Christmas or, oh, just for illustration's sake, for your 46th birthday? You ever got a gift, and, and, and if you're like me, you appreciate anything that you get. But sometimes somebody gives you a gift, and it's a little bit special because of who gave it. I'm, I'm often humbled in, in Christmas time. I, I do get, I get a lot of handwritten notes. And every note I get, every card I get, I read. Some of the most precious aren't the biggest gifts. But it's the person that it came from. It's the expression that they make. It's them saying something at a specific time in your life that registers with you. It's <coughs> what it means to you. You know what I'm talking about? But why do we want to cheapen grace in our life? Number one, you can't buy grace. But think about this. It comes from God. It comes from a holy and a righteous God who owes us nothing. And he just says, and because he's a loving God, he says, I'm going to extend to you what only I can extend to you. And that's the, the grace. Remember the provider of grace. Number, and of course, he provided grace through his son, Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, I want us to notice the guarantee. We're accepted in the beloved. But there's a guarantee that I want us to notice. I say that word, I say, I say that phrase that we're accepted in the beloved, I say it confidently, I say it boldly. I say it because we have a guarantee. Wherein he, okay, who, we know who the he is, hath made. We've looked at made. 
that supernatural fix. Notice that word hath. That little word hath has a lot of meaning to it. It's a guarantee. He hath made. It's done. Nothing can change it. It's an act that is done, and it's an eternal word. Not that he hath made something and there's an expiration date on it. He hath done something, and there is no expiration on it. It's eternal. I want you to think about this. That word hath is as true as God is. How true is God? Well, well, God is not measured against truth. God is true. Truth is measured against God. Some of you, you look at your Bible differently if you grasp what I just said there. Truth is measured against God to see if it's truth. That word hath, I am, with you and I, we are in the beloved. And you, we can count on that because this is true as God is true. I'm thankful that I have a sure word. I don't doubt this at all. I'm saved tonight. You know why I know I'm saved tonight? Not because I always feel saved. Somebody need to grasp this too. It's because this says I am. Because of where I put my faith... And what my faith does. I don't have to feel saved to be saved. I am sure I'm saved because this says. Let me help you when I, while we have the opportunity tonight to, 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 to plug this in as well, the Bible study. Uh, I, just as I'm confident that I'm accepted and beloved, I'm confident when I make a decision based on this, the world can burn down around me, but I'm confident that everything's going to be okay. Why? Because this is a sure word. And so that guarantee hath. That <coughs> word is as true as God is. Let me say it like this to you. If you're saved tonight and you're not accepted in the beloved, God's not God. I believe God is God. You know, Christian, tonight I hope this helps us. We should not walk through this world thinking we're anything other than a sinner saved by grace. The only difference between you and I and a lost man is the grace of God. But it's about time Christians quit walk, slinking through this world, this world making them feel ashamed of who they are. I am accepted in the Beloved. I entered the presence of God today on more than one occasion, and he was happy to see me. I'm a child of God. I have his word that no matter, it doesn't matter what argument somebody comes up with. It doesn't matter what you can lose. No, no, I can't lose my salvation. And aren't you glad it's not up to the brethren to decide who's saved and who's not saved? I have the word of God. It is a guarantee. Number four, we find in this whole 
concept, this whole idea that we're looking at, that we're made accepted in the beloved, we find the un, number four, we find the unworthy. Have you found that, have you found it yet? Wherein he hath made us. The Father is the giver of grace. We've already seen that, right? God is the source of grace. If, as we've already seen, there is a provider of grace, there has to be a recipient. If there's a recipient, somebody's got to be the provider. We see from this text, wherein he hath, God is the provider. So who is the recipient of this grace? Wherein he hath made us, we, the unworthy, who the scripture says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he quickened us, made us alive. We were dead spiritually, and he gave us life. Now, who deserves that? Nobody did, but are you saved tonight? We, the unworthy, are the recipient of God's grace. Some of you, you need to remind yourself everything you get in your salvation. You need to tell your face every once in a while. Cancel your pity party every once in a while. Rip up your resignation on God every once in a while. You are accepted by God in the beloved God, this great, wonderful, loving, holy, righteous, but gracious God gives his grace. Who does he give it to? Not to the worthy because there is no worthy. Not to the deserving because there is no deserving. He gives it to the unworthy, you and I. We were the rebels that he redeemed. We're the cursed who he hath blessed. <coughs> Wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We're recipients, the unworthy. Then number five, and I'm out of time. And I've got as much in number five as I have in one through four. We find a glorious truth. What are we talking about tonight? Say it with me. Accepted in the beloved. Say it with me. Ready? Accepted in the beloved. Think about what you just said. An almighty, a holy, a righteous God accepts us. How many go through life worthy, worried about being accepted in their own home? Being accepted by friends. Being accepted at work. There are people who commit suicide because they're not accepted on social media. But who are we talking about? We're talking about the God who's such a great God. You ever look at, you ever, when's the last time you looked up into a clear sky and you saw all those stars up there? God didn't only just put each star in place. He named them as he was doing. That God's the God I'm talking about. The God who's holy, the God who's righteous. We are accepted by him in all of our unworthiness. It's a glorious truth.
Verse 6 again, wherein he hath made us accepted. We're going to look at that word accepted to conclude tonight. In the beloved. Something, and we're going to look at Genesis 4 in just a second. We have seen already that we are unworthy. We're sinners. That's who we are. Our, our good works, the Bible tells us, are as filthy rags. These aren't the dirty rags that you cleaned your kitchen counter with. Not to be too gross, but these are the rags that were used to wipe the leper's sores. In the sight of God, the best we have is that. But tonight, we're all sinners, are we not? You have a holy God that accepts you, not because of you, but because of the beloved, in the beloved. I'm accepted in the beloved. Don't miss this. Something had to take place before we were accepted. <clears throat> because we know the truth of the fact that we're sinners. We know the truth of the fact that our sin separates us from God. Yes, we know that God loved man enough. John 3.16 reminds us that he sent his son to die for all the world. Those that would accept him and those that would reject him. He sent Christ for every man. We know that took place. But it's not enough that Christ died and was buried and, and raised again for us to be accepted. Something had to take place for us to be accepted. Because not everybody who is aware, there, there's people who at ball games hold up John 3.16, but they have no idea what it means. There's athletes that put John 3.16 on their uniform, have no idea what it means. But something had to take place. There's a lot of people, I believe, sadly, who think they're saved because they believe John 3.16, they even believe it is what it, what it says. Jesus died on the cross. But something had to take place before we were accepted. Don't miss this and we're going to look at Genesis 4. There must be a confession of the need of atonement on the part of the sinner. Let's go ahead and look at Genesis chapter 4. Verse 1, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of their flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, <coughs> and why is thou countenance fallen? Verse 7. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. He's saying, Cain, there's no excuse. If you did what you're supposed to do, you're accepted. If you don't, you're not. 
we, this is a direct correlation with our text to be accepted in the beloved. The sacrifice of the, of the spotless lamb, the shed blood, of course, is a picture of a coming Savior. It's the picture of Christ's blood being shed so that we can have redemption through that shed blood. So in order for us to be accepted, there must be a confession of the need of atonement on part of the sinner. Secondly, there must be atonement made by another. It's not just enough to say, hey, I need some help. There's got to be somebody willing to provide the atonement. And the third thing that is necessary, there must be faith in the atonement made. Yes, Abel came and he brought his sacrifice. That was a confession of the need of atonement on the part of the sinner. Are you following me? There must be atonement made by another. That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That shed, that shed, the shed blood of that lamb is a picture of what Christ would do in the fulfillment of time. His blood would be shed. There must be faith in the atonement made. Abel believed that was enough. God was, that's, a, that's what God asked for. That's enough. He didn't have a backup plan. He didn't go through religious extra. He says, I'm bringing that spotless lamb. I've shed the blood. It's my acknowledgement that atonement needs to be made on, for me a sinner. It's my acknowledgement that this is a picture of another one that's making the atonement. who's paying the price for me. And I'm putting my faith in that. Cain is rebuked because he did not do that. He took matters into his own hands and said, I'll bring the offering that I want to bring. See, something has to take place before we're accepted. There's a lot of religious talk, and we've got to be very, very careful that we don't fall into the trap of, of religious jargon and not wanting to be pointed when we deal with somebody on salvation. It's not, not enough for somebody to just believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, they need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But some, nobody can get saved until they first believe they need to be saved. They have to believe they're a sinner and there's nothing that they can do about it. Then they have to believe that there's somebody else who paid the price, who made the way, provided the atonement. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross shedding his blood, and me living a good life. That's not it. There had to be one who provided that atonement. Then there has to be faith in the one that provided the atonement. That's why salvation, if you're saved tonight, you got saved by putting your faith in what Christ did because you realized you were a sinner. It was at that moment you put your faith and says, I believe that's enough. Then you were accepted by God. There's a lot of people, sadly, who would say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He went down on the cross. But I just can't quite put my faith in the fact that it's just what He did. God hasn't accepted them. 
we're accepted because of our faith in what Christ did. You didn't have to get baptized to be saved. You getting baptized didn't make you more accepted. You doing the church didn't make you more accepted. You tithing doesn't make, well, to me it makes you more accepted, but to God it doesn't make you more accepted. Those are all evidences of God's working in your life as you grow as a Christian. But me personally, when I was just a few weeks shy of my fifth birthday, there's not a lot I can remember back then. Other than spending a lot of time in the principal's office, there's not a lot I can remember back then. But I remember being under conviction and realizing I was a sinner and I was going to die and go to hell. I didn't know what all that, but I knew that. And I knew, and I can see the, the Bible lesson. I can still see the old flannel graph with those crosses on that flannel graph. And I believed and I knew that Jesus was the Son of God, and that's why he died, to pay for my sins. And as a child, I put all of my faith, because that's all I do to do, was put all of my faith on what Jesus did for, for my atonement, I said, that's, I'm putting it all there. It was at that moment, God accepted me in the beloved. There's a lot of religious people who are not accepted by God, but they're rejected by God. And it's because they're not in the beloved. Hey, our salvation is a wonderful thing. It's not all about the benefits, although there's a lot of benefits. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, let's, because, because we are, because of our status, we're admonished to walk worthy. Our walk does not make us saved. Because we are saved, we should have a walk that pleases God. Hey, don't, don't ever, and you young people, this is some, some of you, this is the only life you'll ever know. You ought to thank God for that. Don't you let this world make you think there's more out there. Boy, you can't put a price. You cannot put a price. I've already used this illustration. I'll use it one more time before we go. You can't put a price on entering the presence of God. You can't. Boy, say, Pastor, I wish I had access. You do have, if you're saved, you have the same access. Some of you hadn't seen you, I hadn't seen you in that throne room lately. Maybe you just go a different time than I go. But we have the, we have the opportunity. Is it because I'm worthy of that? No, it's because I have a high priest whose name is Jesus. And God, I come to you to speak to you, to petition you through the blood of your Son. And without hesitation, I don't even have to dig for my credentials. Because when God looks at me, He's already accepted me. He hath made me. I don't have to sign up every time I need to talk to God. He hath made me accepted in the beloved. When you're in the beloved, you're in.
When you're in the beloved, you're not going to fall out and have to get back in. God looks at you. He sees his son. He sees the applied blood of his son. We are accepted in the beloved. Quit letting the devil park on your shoulder and bring up all the sins of your past and make you feel like you're not worthy of salvation. Let me tell you, you're not. Nobody's worthy of salvation. It's not about you. It's not about how bad of a sinner you were. It's about how perfect of a Savior we have. It's about how gracious of a God we have. And friend, you don't have to go back and keep revisiting that because the moment you realized you as a sinner needed atonement and you realized there was one who made an atonement and you put all your faith on what Christ did, it was in that moment God said, I accept you. Think back to when you got saved. How many here has been saved longer than 30 years? You realize that there's never been a day go by that God did not accept you. Pastor, there's been times I've been away from God. You're not accepted in the Baptist faith. You're not accepted because of your last name. You're accepted in the beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ. What a thought. What a reminder. And let's be excited about being saved. Father, we.